Hey, Fred, Keith here. Before we start the episode, I just wanted to jump in really quickly to share with you about a little book that I've just put out recently. It's called Breakup, How to Heal and Thrive After a Relationship Ends. You know, I had a marriage of about 24, 25 years end in divorce, and it crushed me. I mean, it really got me down. But after I licked my wounds for a while, I decided I need to put together a strategic plan to pivot from this loss into my next chapter. So I put together this little plan that I call Thrive. So if you're going through a breakup right now, or maybe you've just gone through one recently and you could use a little help, I encourage you to look for the link in the show notes and check out Breakup, How to Heal and Thrive After Relationship Ends. All right, now on with the show. Hello and welcome to Coffee with Keith. I'm Keith Brown and I'm so glad that you could join me for this podcast where my passion in life is to help my LGBTQIA Christian family heal their church trauma and hopefully construct genuine faith. Before we begin, let me just tell you a little bit about me. For the last 30 plus years, I've had the joy of teaching, speaking, and performing as a comedy magician in my in-person events all over the United States. I'm also the published author of fiction and nonfiction books, and one of the greatest joys I've had in life is pastoral counseling, coaching, and mentoring hundreds and hundreds of people over the last 30 plus years. I'm proud of all those things, but can I also tell you, I know what it's like to hurt, and I know what it's like to suffer deep church trauma, specifically around sexual identity, as so many of you obviously have as well. So if that's something that you can buy into and you would like to partner with me as we try to help each other in this journey thing we call life, then you're in the right place. I encourage you to grab a cup of coffee, sit at my table, and let's have a chat. One disclaimer though, please. I am not a medical professional, nor am I a licensed therapist. So if you need either of those services, please do consult a local professional. Otherwise, let's get it started here on Coffee with Keith. Hello, my friend, and welcome to this week's Bible Talks. So good to have you here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. And I just want to get us caught up and contextually uh, sort of set the stage of where we're going today. We are again in the book of Acts, and if you were with me, Last week, we talked about how Saul, on the road to Damascus, had come face-to-face with God, Jesus, and had been forever changed. And you remember that Saul was this aggressive attacker of the followers of Jesus, and he had gotten permission to go from Jerusalem to Damascus to basically round them up like herd of cows and persecute them. So he was very gung-ho about that. But when he came face-to-face with God on that road to Damascus, um, forever was changed. You remember he went blind, and then Ananias had to be obedient to God and go see Saul. And when he did, the shingles of sort fell from his eyes, and he was restored to sight. And then it is on the on the heels of that, and, and I believe there was some time here, but on the heels of that, contextually, we find ourselves in verse 19. And I want to share with this, this scripture with you, and I'm actually going to read it today, and then I want to just share a couple of thoughts, okay? So it goes like this. Now, for several days, he was with the disciples who were at Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. All those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, Is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name and who came here for the purpose of bringing them down before the chief priests? 
Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. Their plot became known to Saul. They were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples took him by night, led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. What a beautiful text, right? The and and it's beautiful, I think, because in my mind it reminds us of a couple of things. If you look at this scripture, you see that on the on the backside of the conversion of Saul, he stays in Damascus and he it's interesting to me what he does. Because here is this devout Jew, this man who was attacking Christians, who was trying to put them all either in prison or to death. He just wanted to stop it, as the old Barney Fife on Andy Griffith's show used to say, nip it in the bud. And here he was choosing to surround himself by disciples of Jesus Christ in Damascus. It's an interesting twist, don't you think? And I believe that during this process, Saul was in dialogue with his disciples who were sharing with him what they had seen, what they had experienced, what they had learned. And uh, we're not, you know, I don't know if these were the, you know, the 12 disciples or just other disciples. Um, it's not real clear. Um, there are people who believe all types of things here, but regardless, these are people who had had intimate and their own personal experience with Jesus, and they were sharing these things with Saul. And I think that's significant because it just goes to show that Saul, that's Pharisee of Pharisee, very knowledgeable about the Torah, very knowledgeable about the things of the Jewish faith, a smart man, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a man who had been educated, a man who had authority, a man who had had position, all these things, chose to surround himself with people I think he could reflect and learn from. And to me, that's initially something that we need to remember ourselves. We too need to surround ourselves with other people who can pour into us. The most dangerous thing I think for the church is a Christian who thinks they know it all. And I say this often, and I'm going to say it again in this particular podcast. The more initials I have gotten behind my name, the more years I have studied and poured into this book that we call the scriptures, I'm going to tell you, the more I have done that, the more I realize I truly don't know. Because the things of God, the things of this book, the magnitude of the moving and the teaching and, and all the things of God are so magnificent, so great, that it is impossible for our human minds to know everything and all things and complete assurity about everything in this book. So it, it just reminds me that I need to continue to learn from other people. So let me ask you, my dear friend, are you doing that? Are you taking the time to listen, taking the time to study, taking the time to read books, taking the time to, to learn from other folks, to listen to their stories, to listen to their, their lives in walking with Jesus and what can be gleaned from that? Because I think that that is a beautiful blessing that we have as believers, to learn from one another, right? And then in this, this story, if you will, 
I think it's very interesting what happens. And it reminds me of another lesson that I think is absolutely critical. All right. So Saul finds himself in Damascus. The Jewish leaders realize that he's there. They see what he's doing. They become very angry, agitated at, at Saul because even probably more so because he was one of them. He was with them. He was helping them. And all of a sudden, he sort of switched teams. And you can imagine that they had a little gripe with him, right? I mean, wouldn't you? If you Let's just think about a sports team. If you were on a sports team and all of a sudden a guy jumped off your team and went to another team, then you'd probably have a little grudge against him. And that's sort of, I think, how these guys think. They, they they were very angry that he had left them and was starting to do this which way we're attacking. They had they had seen that he began to speak about this Jesus, and they become extremely angry with Saul because he was teaching and sharing things that they thought was pure heresy. And you know what happens when you speak anything that goes against the norm. People they're they're hairs on their skin begin to stand up and they will attack you in a heartbeat if you say or do anything outside of the accepted norm of a particular group of believers. And Saul was doing that. And they not only wanted to shut him up, they wanted to kill him. That's right. They wanted to put Saul to death. So it's interesting to me what happened because it says that they were guarding the gates. They were determined that he wasn't going to get out of Damascus. They were determined they were going to find this guy and they were going to end this once and for all. But I love the little twist of the story because when we see and we look in the scripture, we see that the friends of Saul. Now, these he, he was with, with these disciples and we don't know how many, but probably a good group. But it's interesting to me that the friends of Saul, the intimate friends with Saul, the devoted friends with Saul, did something. They took Saul to a very low place in the wall, and they it says in the scripture, they lowered him in a basket at night so that Saul could escape and not be put to death. Now, to me, I think that is such a beautiful thing. Because what I see evidence there is the intimate relation friends of Saul coming to his aid. Now, here's something to think about, okay? If they wanted to put Saul to death, what do you think would have happened to these friends if they would have been caught aiding and abetting this fugitive from the Jewish leadership of Damascus? Yeah. They most likely would have been put to death too. So can you these these friends were, were taking great risk to help Saul, who they believed were carrying out the work of God and doing great things and, and had great things to do for God. And so they risked everything to help him. And this is where it just warms my heart because this just reminds me of how important it truly is to have people around us who love Jesus and love us. It can be the church. It can be your local church. 
It can be those people you worship with and you learn with and you serve alongside. And you know that if you go through a hardship in life, if you're suffering, they're going to come there. They're going to help you. They're going to bring you food if you're, if you, you know, if you're grieving a loved one. They're going to help you financially if you started hitting a, a difficult time, in, you know, in life financially. They're going to be there to encourage you. They're going to be there to pray for you. They're going to lift you up. If that, <laughs> what a beautiful gift that is, right? But I want to take it even a step beyond that. I believe that even if we have the church, the, the local church that we attend, and that body of believers that's there for us, I believe that it's also essential for us to have very close, intimate Christian friends that are truly, and I mean truly, there for us. People who will risk for us. People who will sacrifice for us. People who will be there day or night for us. People who will give to us. People that will spend time with us. People that will pour into us in very significant and deep ways. So let me ask you, do you have those type of people in your life? Do you have that intimate relationship with some fellow believers that you know in a moment's notice that you could call them and they would step up to the plate no matter what for you? If you do, then you should be thankful for that today. That should be on the tip of your tongue in a prayer of thanksgiving to God because that is a true gift and we should be thankful. But here's one other thing that I want to remind us of. If we want those type of people in our lives, then we have to be that type of person too. We have to be the type of person that's willing to go to bat for somebody else. We have to be the willing to go and sit with someone else that's hurting. We have to be willing to hold the hands of someone that's crying that we love. We have to be there to, to pull them up and lift them up when they're struggling. We have to be there to encourage them with the love of Christ and, and just let them know that they're going to be okay. We have to be there for other people if we expect them to be there for us. So the theme of this message today, I think, is Christian relationship, is being one and having some in our lives. So let me get a little nosy and a little personal, if I may. How are you doing with that, my friend? And if you could be doing a little better, then let's give that a shot. What do you think? Until next time, heal your hurts, move your mountains, and may God truly bless you. Bye-bye, my friend. Well, there you go, my friend. This episode of Coffee with Keith. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. Now, please stick around. One more announcement I want to give you. God bless you. See you next time.